Hey, welcome to the Jeff Reinbold Show. It has been a huge free agency time in the NFL, and that's taken a lot of analysts' focus away from the college draft. But the, our guest, who is like the biggest college football nut I've ever known. I mean, this guy is legit a complete draftnik. When it comes to, you want to know about college football players, this is the guy to go to because he don't care about free agency. Free agency don't even mean, don't mean to nothing to him. What he cares about <laughs> is college football. And so let's have Oliver Hodgkinson, draft guru, come in. And we are talking about, I said in the, I said in the little tweet I sent out yesterday, Ali, that you and I are going to be stacking Cadillacs today. And these guys are the Cadillacs of the draft, in my opinion. Everybody talks about the quarterbacks, but I want to know, let's talk about the tackles. And it's an interesting group, I think, don't you? Yeah, I certainly do. And I think I think we took we we touched on this maybe in one of the previous shows, maybe the quarterback show is you know, if you don't get your offensive line right, it doesn't matter who you've got back there under the center. If if your offensive line it starts with the offensive t- tackles and the bookends if that's if you don't get that right you could have you know you, you could have tom brady back there and he's gonna play like zach wilson did for the new york jets let's let's use that as a topical example um so yeah this so it's an interesting view you, i think you hit the nail on the head there it's an interesting group of offensive tackles when we look back to last year's draft class we were sat at this time talking about three offensive tackles who could go in the top 10, and they did go in the top 10 with Charles Cross, Arkham, Aquano, and Evan Neal. We're not looking at the same top-heavy level of talent, I don't think, in this class, but there's a lot of different... We used the word pick your poison last week when we were talking about wide receivers. There's a lot of pick your poison offensive tackles as well. It's going to be really interesting to see how these guys fly off the board come April. You know, Buddy Ryan is one of my favorite, was one of my favorite guys of all time. And, and, uh, <laughs> at, at the, towards the end of his life, he was over on Maui visiting. So I flew over from, uh, I was coaching at UH and I flew over to, uh, Maui and spent the afternoon with him. We talked, sat by the pool and talked football the whole afternoon. It was a glorious <laughs> afternoon. But one of the things he said to me, and this, it plays right into what you talked about, how important these guys are. He said, he said, I don't care who the quarterback is. He can't complete passes on his ass. And he was talking about <laughs> getting to the quarterback. But, you know, you've got to be able to protect your passer. And the, the edges have become so good. And there's such a – I mean, there are so many great edge rushers in the, in the league right now and more on the way coming. We'll talk about those guys in another show. But this is – I found this – a fascinating class of tackles because there's like a couple guys like I see right at the top and then there's some guys that are kind of you know some people are going to love them and that only takes one you know we got to be loved by one team but then I see a whole bag of them that are going to be day two you know round two three four guys even that I think may develop into really good players because they have some trait or they have shown enough or whatever. Um, but let's get started. And I want to talk to you about the guy that I used as our cover boy on our tweet. And I mean, the picture of him there, there it's, it's kind of, he's a backside slide in the protection and he's got his arms out. And I'm going to tell you Paris Johnson jr. From Ohio state. 
<laughs> his wingspan is got to be 37 inches, isn't it? Well, he's a 36 and an eighth inch arms he measured at the NFL combine, which he God. was uh, exactly, exactly. He was so he was measured um, coming out of high school as 35 inch arms, and that was one of the highest measurements that they've ever had at the Under Armour All-American game as he came out of high school. And then, obviously, he's, he's he's grown somehow still, even in that three, four years he's been at Ohio State. Paris Johnson Jr., for me, he, he, I think he's a clearly the best offensive tackle in this 2023. And I don't, I don't like using the word or the phrase uh and I don't think it's close, but I don't think it's close where Paris Johnson Jr. is concerned. And and I've, I've felt that way since the summer before he even stepped foot on the field as a left tackle. When you watched his tape from 2021 as a guard at Ohio State, you see instantaneously how the guy translates to the, the tackle position. The length is apparent the size six foot six 313 pounds he played on the interior at Ohio State and kind of didn't look out of place as a guard because the guy next to him at right tackle was Dewan Jones who's six foot eight and 300 million pounds whatever he is no he took about a wingspan that's a guy that's an albatross for a wingspan but anyway we'll get back to Paris Johnson Jr so so he he looked at guard everything about his game from his athleticism, from his technical ability, from his size, from the length, everything at guard, you go, look, this is a guy who can transition to the tackle position at college and then kick on and do that at the NFL level. And I think that's what you saw in 2022 college football season was Paris Johnson developing into the guy that everyone thought he could be, that presumed he could be. The size, the length is incredible. The violence that he plays with his with his hands, you know, the, the punch that he can pack with those not the biggest of hands for an offensive tackle, nine and a half inch hands, but the violence and the power that he can protrude from them. And that's again, when you've got arms like he has, that ability to really generate power with that length and it is evident in his hands. <clears throat> Latch, maintain, drive. That's what Paris Johnson will do to you as an offensive tackle. He's going to grip you. He's going to drive you into next week. And I, I remember looking at his tape and I was like, this is a guy that if he fails at the NFL, he can be a security guard because he's just going to be throwing guys out into the parking lot. Like from a club to the parking lot, he's going to pick them up and drive them out there. But he isn't going to fail as an NFL tackle because he, he's got all the physical tools that you need and um, the, the athleticism to be explosive and fluid. You saw his on-field combine drills, the movement yeah. ability that this guy has for his size is incredible. I don't think there's a block that Paris Johnson can't make. You saw it again, his, his interior tape, his ability with um, to perform on reach blocks was just outstanding. He Anything that you want to ask him to do in the ground game, he can do because he can get out to the second level well. And He's an incredibly intelligent young man as well. As football intelligence, you know, he'll, he he knows how to counter. Uh, he knows how to react to stunts and twists. He knows how to, he's all constantly looking for work. And then off the field, I was lucky enough to speak with Paris Johnson before the start of the 2022 college football season. And this is a kid who there isn't for my money. You'll struggle to find a kid with greater character than Paris Johnson. This is a kid who has been, had his own non-profit since he was at high school, um, works meticulously to raise funds for war veterans, for homeless 
um, uh, underprivileged children, should I say, sorry, so ho- homeless war veterans and underprivileged children. And you combine the skill set, the character, the intelligence, and that just oh, he's got everything that you that you want when you're evaluating a football player. Uh, and I don't see another offensive tackle in this class that ticks all the boxes in the same way as, as emphatically as Paris Johnson Jr. does. I agree with you 100%. I don't have any doubt that this kid is going to be a great player. Now, there are some concerns I've heard guys voice about, well, he doesn't have a great deal of experience. Well, that's true. And but I think I see a I see an ex- incredibly high ceiling with this kid. This I think this kid can if you draft this guy and I think he'll get drafted in the top 5. I think if you draft this guy, he has a chance to play 12 years for you and be a high 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 functioning left tackle in the National Football League. He's only going to get better with experience. He's only going to get better with more time in the weight room, all of that. The thing that fascinated me, and I, you know, the combine testing, you know how I feel about the combine testing, right? I mean, it's a, you know, like a trained SEAL show. But there are some things, Ali, that make me go, uh, when you combine his arm length, right? We're talking about a guy almost 37 inch long arms now that's phenomenal but he's he got on the bench and did 29 reps with 225 and i know people say and i i get it right it's that doesn't correlate to on the field it's just a raw number just like the 40 but it is a benchmark when you consider how those aren't, that's a long way you got to move that 225 pounds and to be able to do it 29 times, which I don't know if a guy at his arm length has ever done 29 before. I don't, I've never heard of it. And, you know, I've been following the combine for a long time, but <clears throat> so I think this kid's a, like you say, clean as a, well, I won't even say, right. But I'm just going <laughs> to say he is a clean prospect. If you need a tackle, Right. If you need a tackle, go up and get him if you got to go up and get him. And, you know, you look around a league and there are some teams that may want to do that with for this kid, because I think this kid, like you say, no character issues, no injury issues. No, 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 no. Played in a great league in the Big Ten, played against really high level competition. I just think he's a I think he's an outstanding Outstanding prospect. Who you got it to? So number two, I've got uh, Tennessee offensive tackle Donnell Wright. Whoa, whoa, <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! Okay, now I just now we're gonna have a little conversation, my man. <laughs> I'm intrigued to see who you've got too, Jeff. Do you want me to go with my Donnell Wright evaluation, or do you want to go tell me you've got? I like the kid. I like the kid. and then I'm gonna tell you what I don't like. All right. Oh, I, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. So for me, Darnell Wright, highly, you talked about Paris Johnson not being experienced at the offensive tackle spot. Darnell Wright is highly experienced at both bookends. So you've got a kid who you know you can play left tackle, you know can play right tackle, um, and has played both to a high level during his, uh, his career at Tennessee. So highly experienced, versatile. Um, when you talk about, you talk about level of competition for Paris Johnson, Donnell Wright has played against the no very question. best in college football and neutralized them as well. You oh, look at 
All right. Wait, wait a second. I, you just Frank Gans used to always say in special teams meetings, I am going to confirm with validity what I talk about. Right. And I called you a college football nut, a guru, a draft Nick. And you know what? Recognizing the fact that if you are a tackle in the SEC, you are playing against the elite of the elite. Right. I mean, it's not even close. And the big I like the Big Ten, all that. But I'm going to tell you something. I like the ACC. But you want to talk about defensive linemen. There is no place in the world other than the National Football League where the defensive linemen are better than the SEC. So I agree with that statement 100 percent. Yeah. And it's not just the SEC as a whole. You look at the teams that Tennessee have played just in this last season alone. You know, they they played Alabama and he neutralized Will Anderson Jr., who for many people may be the best player in this entire uh, draft class. Um, <clears throat> they played Georgia and their plethora of defensive line prospects that, that seem to just churn out every year. So competition level is that's a, a box tip for Darnell Wright. Similar to Paris Johnson, incredible punch power. You watch him when he attacks, visibly shocking opponents there there's not many people that don't get their Donnell Wright's hands on him and don't find themselves three or four meters back from where they started um from a technical perspective he can use independent hands as well he's not a, a guy who is just two-handed and that's all she wrote he can use independent hands from a technical perspective I think he does a very good job of um, bending at the knees. He's not a waist bender. Um, so you can see he's got that flexibility in his lower half. Um, and I think although he's not an elite athlete, which would probably look at as a um, as a tick in the negative box, which I'm not quite sure that's the right way of putting it, but that's not that's not in the positive st- uh, side of his evaluation. But he has got decent athleticism, um, and and you see that at work in terms of how he um, gets his markers in pass protection. Um, there's, there is some things with Donnell Wright, and you're going to tell me why he's not your number two, and we're going to start with how negative those things are. I think sometimes the punch timing placement is is off. He needs to work on it, uh, some of the timing elements. Um, we talked about the elite athletic ability that he doesn't. He's not an elite athlete at the position, and we talked about at the start of the show edge rushes now in the NFL and in, in college as well. They're getting faster. They're getting more explosive, and if you're not an elite athlete at the tackle position that can sometimes get you found out, especially at the NFL level. I think he's got smaller hands than several of the top offensive task tackle. Well, I know he has from a measurement perspective, but he's apparent on tape as well. Um, than, than several of the top offensive tackles in the class. And you wonder how that holds up at the NFL level when it comes to things like his, his grip ability against bigger, more powerful um, defensive linemen that he's going to face at the NFL level. But for, with his combination of versatility, experience, the 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 up uh, the, the ticks in the positive side of his scouting evaluation, uh, compared to and alongside some of the question marks about the rest of the tackles in the class, that just elevates Darnell right a little bit above that group behind Paris Johnson for me. Now I don't. I want to make be clear. I, I, it's not that I don't like the kid, right? I don't. It, here's the thing: when I looked at him. Uh, there are some things like, first of all, you come out of high school in West Virginia, which is not a where you typically find tremendous high school football players, right? 
So you're the best player in the state of West Virginia. Go to Tennessee and you're forced to start in the SEC as a true freshman because of injury. And then you watch what he did as a true freshman. I mean, he's competitive. I like that about it. I like the fact that he is big and strong. I think he's a right tackle, not a left tackle in the in the National Football League. But I do think that he will be a great player in the league. Here's what concerns me. All of the things you said, I agree with. I, I The timing of his hands at times is a little funky. Um, he can anchor. He can bend. He can do all those things. He's not a elite athlete. He's not as fluid as you'd like to see. To me, where I graded him down, and this may be unfair, right? And I've heard this. I've heard this said about players at other positions, and I don't want to fall into that trap. But when you play in that Josh Heupel offense with all the RPOs, right, all of that stuff, you're not playing in a true drop back scheme that he's going to have to be able to handle. He, you don't see the balls out so fast so much of the time. You don't see him play extended pass protection snaps, right? Now, I, there's evidence on tape that he can, you know, when a guy counters and comes inside, he can up kick and he can do all that and flatten the guy off and all that. But I just wonder if if he goes into a drop back scheme, which is Tennessee is not a drop back scheme. How is he going to adjust? I think he's a player. I rated him five in my deal, not because I didn't like him. Right. Not because I didn't think he'd be a player. I just think it's going to take him a little bit of time. We got to get it, be a little patient with him. I think he'll be a right tackle. I think he'll be a second round draft pick, third round latest. But I think he's a good football player. Yeah. And this is the thing with the, the you mentioned about the Tennessee offenses. That's going to be the knock on a number of their NFL draft prospects in this, this cycle. We talked about Hendon Hooker when we were evaluating quarterbacks. We talk about Donna Wright, Jerome Carvin, the interior offensive lineman who's in this class from Tennessee, the wide receivers in that system. Any player that comes out of Tennessee, while ever Josh Heupel is the head coach of that program and, and runs that offensively run at Tennessee, is that's going to be the first thing that people say is, can they do it in the NFL level in a proper NFL style, you know, pro style offense? That's going to be the question mark that, that is, is leveled at all the prospects that come out of that program in the next however long Josh Heupel's there and it's probably going to be a long time because he's he's doing a st sterling job there I'm, I mean am I full of shit when I, when I say that though I mean it's, am I, is that is that wrong to weigh that that heavily in this kid's case no no, no, I, no I, say it's, I don't it's, have the senior bowl tape I don't have you know that kind of stuff so again I would really I think his I think his workout at Tennessee will tell us a great deal because those offensive line coaches are going to go in there and they're going to work him as a drop back guy. Right. Yeah, for sure. And that's, um, this is the 29th of March thing the Tennessee pro day. So it'd be interesting to keep an eye out for, for what happens there. Who's your number two guy, Jeff? Come on. All right. All right now, now this, this is this, as, as uh, Muhammad Ali once said, this may shock and amaze you, but I got I got Broderick Jones, and I got Broderick Jones. I, and that's probably not a big shocker to a lot of people. But good God, Ali, you talk about a pretty athlete. 
I mean, you talk about a you want a left tackle. That guy, he looks like a tight end when he walks out on the field. You know, ain't no fat. They like I hate fat football players. Hate them, right? Don't like them at all, right? But I'm gonna tell you something. Ain't nothing jiggling on him, right? (laughs) Tell you a story. This 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 how wacky coaches are. There used to be an old offensive line coach at the University of Wyoming, right? And he um, had been a uh, he was a Vietnam vet, right? And so he's he he might have got Agent Orange or something, I don't know, but he was he was something. And he would make all his offensive linemen when they came back from for summer, right? For summer camp. He'd walk them into, they all had to come into his office, get up on his desk and jump down. And if anything was still jiggling when they hit the ground, he said they were too fat. Now, I I don't think Broderick Jones could pass that test, right? I mean, like this cat is beautiful and, you know, 37, almost 37 inch arms, I think as close as anybody I think I've ever heard to that. It's superb quickness, got great athletic ability. He's got room to grow in his fundamentals. But I mean, he, he, and again, here's another kid that had to play probably before he was quote ready to play at Georgia because of an injury. And damn, if he just didn't step in, in on a national championship team and look like he'd been playing forever. I think he is a, can't miss dude yeah the, you, you spot on with the um coming straight into that georgia offensive line because when they when they um bought broderick jones in at left tackle towards the end of that national championship winning season their offensive line was substantially better with him at left tackle um i i really like so i've got broderick jones as my third guy behind darnell right and i think that those two are very close um Everything that you that you said there, this is a strong, stout kid that is explosive in a straight line. He's explosive laterally, can mirror pass rushes extremely well, does a good job of utilizing that length to generate power. <clears throat> Excuse me. And he's got the lower body power to to drive and you know, drive a man out of the club, as we said with Paris Johnson. Um he's only a one-year full-time star at left tackle, um, which you know, as we we alluded to before, he's, he's going only going to get better. Um, I think sometimes he he can be guilty of playing with a little high pad level, um, but that might be that potentially when you look at his build, he's six five three eleven. You know, he he can play a little upright, but maybe the the frame of him, that leanness of frame, maybe makes him look a little more upright than he than he truly is. He's learning well, the game. You that's a, you bring up a good point. See, I when you look at a kid who's built like this, right? And visually, when he walks on the field, like I say, he looks like a tight end. And the first thing you'd think is, okay, they're going to put a strong guy against him and just try and bully him back to the quarterback. See if he can, he can see if he can anchor. I didn't see any evidence of inability to anchor on the edge. No, not at all. No, I think he's like I said, his his lower body power, his strength is very impressive. I think sometimes it's, it's more of a, a technicality issue where he gets beat rather than any question marks by his strength. Just coming back to your man from Wyoming, 
I don't know if you've seen Florida defensive lineman Desmond Watson, but that kid's 400-plus pounds. There is plenty of jiggle in that kid. I, just, I was thinking about it while we were talking about it. I was like, I could imagine Desmond Watson jumping off it. He snapped the bench when he got on it, let alone jumped off it. Um, yeah, I, I think Broderick Jones is going to be a first-round guy. I think he's going to be a mid-first-round guy because, there's, like you alluded to, there's plenty of teams that need offensive tackles. Um, there's been some movements in free agency that could alter potentially that, but I, I still feel like Broderick Jones, you, you're not going to see him beyond 16 to 18, that sort of range, I think. Yeah, I I, I think it's interesting, this this tackle class as a whole. And um, we're, 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 you know, we're pretty close, right? We're pretty close because, you know, one man's trash is another man's treasure. And who you got at three? So I've got Broderick Jones at three. So I've All got right. Paris Johnson, Don Wright, Broderick Jones. Then I've got Oklahoma offensive tackle Anton Harrison at four. Another short guy. It's six foot four, three hundred and. But see, that's what I'm saying. I mean, think about this. This is that class. I mean, this is how it's gone now, right? If yeah. you're six four, they're going to say eh, marginal height, right? Six four. <laughs> I don't know how many eighths of an inch are in that 6'4", but let's call him 6'4 and 315 pounds. He's another guy with really good length for the position as well, which with that being you know slightly smaller in stature compared to a guy like Paris Johnson, he's still packing over 34 in inch arms. And he's extremely powerful with that sort of shorter frame with those long arms, very good at generating power. Um He's an explosive. I think he's one of the most explosive athletes at the offensive tackle position. Moves almost effortlessly. He's an excellent mover. Always hits his mark in pass pro. He's a devastating force in the ground game with that ability to explode, to move, and be powerful with that length and shorter frame. Um, really drives from his hips as well, um, which you, you, know, you, you can see a lot of college offensive tackles who they rely solely on using their upper body strength or they rely solely on driving with the legs. He does such a good job of keeping his entire body in sync. There's a synergy about his ability to to move as one. And he drives with that hip, that hip generation of power is, is very impressive. Um, I think this is a kid who is developing his game still. He can use his hands better. Um excuse me, when you look at his hand placement sometimes, a little wide with his hands, and that allows defensive linemen to get into his chest a little bit. His balance isn't always the greatest, um, but I think with that combination of, um, I think it's a combination of a lack of in, uh, an experience. When you come out of a program like Oklahoma, though, they've got a great offensive line coach, so it does make you wonder if he can take that next step in terms of his technical development, but he is still young. Um, I, I just I'm in love with the physical tools that Anton Harrison brings to the offensive tackle position. You know, I, I, I thought about Harrison too, and um, I was thinking about okay, place where would be a place where would be a place where there's a need where all of the things you talked about, right, kind of fit what they do, and they're not a team that's going to say, well, he's six four, he's too short. And I thought the Chiefs, right? Yes. Because they, they've had a lot of success with Creed Humphrey, right? And he's a kind he 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 can do a lot of things, this kid, 
You know what I mean? And, you know, they've got a need at both tackles. I know they're going to fill the, how they fill, you know, whether the, you know, they go with the Jacksonville free agent at left or right, or I think it's going to depend on what's available in the draft to him. But, you know, he, he's a guy that might be around when they have a chance to pick, you know, um, my third guy. And, you know, again, when you spend your whole life at five, nine, right. You kind of, you kind of having a, like an, I don't know, maybe what's the right word. I had some struggling for a word here, Ali. Uh, you just kind of really, like I used to love to hang around with the offensive lineman when I was playing, right. I'd live with the offensive lineman. I'd be around the offensive lineman all the time if I could, because I love the big guys. I love big guys. Right? I don't, I told you I don't like fat guys, but I love <laughs> big guys. And I'm going to tell you something. They don't come a lot bigger than DeJuan Jones at Ohio State. 6'8", 374, and it is a good 374. I mean, you know when Mackay Becton came out a couple of years ago and you know, he's close to 400, or they said some days he's over 400? Yeah. But he's a, he's an ugly-looking 400. This kid's a, <laughs> a good-looking 6'8", 374-pound athlete, and – <clears throat> it's amazing at Ohio State, you know, 693 snaps of football this past year, zero sacks at right tackle. Now, I think he's I think he's locked in as a right tackler, right tackle guy. But I mean, he, you talk about run blocker, he he gets movement on everybody he plays against. And you know, sometimes those big guys that you know, you talk about six eight, we're not talking, you know, sometimes they have a problem playing with the kind of pad level. To, in the run game that you need and you know they can fall off blocks they can get guys up underneath them all that stuff but i i did a little research on him first of all first thing that surprised me about the kid he, he's a indiana kid which is again not a hotbed for high school football but he was a great high school basketball player and that i can see and i think he'll be a really fine right tackle in the national football league yeah, I think if you, if this time last year you just said Dewan Jones has the potential to be a first round NFL draft pick, I think people would have left you off the park. In all honesty, um, I think his game has developed so much this last year. Um, I really do. Um, there was there was times last year where he looked. I don't want to say liability because that's that's a little harsh, but there there was times last year where you struggled to see how he would manage that size excuse me, going forward at the NFL level. But this year has been, I just think he's from the first game through the entire college football season, he's just got better and better and better. The draft process itself has been incredible for Dewan Jones in terms of, you know, how, how he performs um, at the combine from a measurable and a testing standpoint, what he did on the all-star game circuit. Um, I, I just think he has elevated himself in a in a class that's got a lot of question marks at the offensive tackle position, um, comparable to last year. I think he's elevated himself to the point where, you know, you talk about the Chiefs at thirty-one. Um, he he could be a guy there for them, um, just in terms of getting that fifth year option on offensive tackle. If if a guy like, you know, you, you mentioned Anton Harrison being a perfect pick if if he's gone already because if that's not out of the out of the realms of possibility that he might be off the ball by then. You take the 
a guy like Dewan Jones at 31, you're going to lock him in for that fifth-year option, and you've got a, a, a lockdown guy that can play right tackle in the NFL for a long time. Yeah, I, I agree, and and uh, just I, you know, again, I, I, Ohio State, you know, it's amazing when you consider, and 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 that's this is a conversation for another day, but you know, how in the world do they ever? lose games with the players that they got at that place. I mean, they have got every year. It seems like we talk about Ohio state having some of the best players in national in coming into the national football league. Uh, my next guy will stay in the big 10 for my next guy and see what you think. Uh, this guy is a little bit of a lightning rod because again, he doesn't have the length, the height that, that you look for, but man, oh man, when you put Peter Skaronsky's Northwestern film on, there's a good football player. I've got Peter Skaronsky as my well, little spoiler alert for next week. Oh, two weeks' time. I've lost track of what day it is. Um, a little spoiler alert for when we tackle the offensive guards. I've got Peter Skaronsky as my top ranked guard in the 2023 NFL draft. Um, because for, for a couple of factors and it, it's easy to go well he's 6'4 and he's got sub 33 inch arms and you're just doing a number point and I get it I get people who, who just accuse people of, of measurement scouting when I look at Peter Skaronski everything that you want in a top line offensive tackle is there pretty much Um from a technical aspect from an athleticism standpoint from a football intelligence standpoint my issue when you look at Peter Skaronsky's tape, he isn't, because of a lack of length, because of a lack of size, he's not powerful in the same way that some of these offensive tackles in this draft class are. He's not a people mover. His punch isn't powerful. Um, and the you can't escape the fact that those shorter arms, when you watch him against a longer-armed defensive lineman, it is easy to get inside Peter Skronsky and uh, to get into his chest. Um, but I think he move in, he could move inside and be an all-pro level guard in the NFL. I, really, I believe that because everything else about his game is impressively sound and polished um, for a kid who you know, started as a true freshman in the Big Ten. Yeah, I mean, you know, you think about it. Because again, we can get, and and you know, I, I I fall victim to it too, right? You can get caught up in the numbers game. You know, he's not this, he's not that, he's not this. Well, you got you got to remember when Rashawn Slater got hurt and he had to go in and play at Northwestern way before he was ready to play, right? Local area kid, you know, probably should have been redshirted that year, but it, all of a sudden he's thrust into, you know, he's got to line up against you know, pay and he's got to line up against, you know, the, the Greek freak from, <laughs> from Purdue. And, you know, it, it, you know, he's, he's playing against good players in the big 10. And as, as a true freshman, he's out there fighting his ass off and holds his own. I like his football IQ. I like his technique. I like his toughness. I like his competitiveness. I just come down to the same point as you, because in my, I'm reading my, my report right now, not prototypical size or length for the position, maybe a guard in the NFL. The only question I would have as a guard is, can he handle those big 320-pound 
three techniques, right? If it's a fast guy inside, I think he'll be fine, right? Because I think in that reduced space, he'll, he can counter, he can do all that stuff. But again, those it's it's going to be interesting. But I do think the kid's a good football, and not a good football player, a great football player. And I do think he'll get drafted in the first three rounds of the draft, no question. I mean, uh, there's this people whose opinion on offensive line play I value ex- exceedingly highly, and, and they're v- very enamored with Peter Skaronski and, and talking about this kid being the, the, the best offensive tackle in the class. And, you know, they're better qualified to to ascertain that than me, but I know when I turn on the tape, I, I, I do see issues of based on the length with the power that he generates at offensive tackle. Now, conversely and probably bizarrely for people to listen to is I do think when he if he's if he does flip inside to guard he's got the ability to anchor Mm -hmm. that will give him that opportunity to hold his own against bigger guys on the inside so he as a pass protector in uh, as as a guard I think I don't think he'll have any issues on the interior at all um and he's so technically adept that using his ability to use leverage um, on the interior against bigger guys will mean he still has that ability to be a force in the ground game as well. He just yeah. isn't a people. He's just not a people mover at any pos- any position you're going to put him in on the offensive line. Yeah, I, you know, you, you got here we, here we go again. We got to remember the guy's 313 pounds. It's not like he's 280, right? No, I mean, he, no, exactly. He's a man. He's a he's a grown man. He's a weight room kid. He's all of those things. And again. I think a clean, clean prospect. Who you got is your next one. So we've got Paris Johnson, Donnell Wright, Frederick James, Anton Harrison. Then we've got the poster boy for offensive line, aesthetic, North Dakota State, Cody Morch. This is is a kid who, like, if you wanted to advertise for offensive line, man. Wait a second now. With that scraggly ass hair he's got, he what is a be- what a what a beautiful looking man that guy that is. is. Only that oh, you are truly <laughs> an aficionado of ugly offensive linemen if you like this kid. <laughs> that long flowing beautiful ginger hair. It's like it's like if it's like if Trevor Lawrence dyed his hair ginger a little bit and he just flew it back. It's beautiful. There's two teeth missing. Just that's what offensive linemen should look like for me. Um, but that aside, he can play football too. Um, a very lean offensive tackle at 6'5", 302 pounds. But you wouldn't know that to watch Cody go to work because he is, he's the mentality of an offensive lineman. I suppose you have to be when you've only you know, you've got two front teeth missing. Uh, but that that mentality, he's a finisher. I don't think there's anyone in this class who finishes in the wrong game like um, the guy, the kid from North Dakota State. He's he will barrel, he will barrel you over rather than look at you. His athletic ability is up there with the best in the class. He's a former tight end. The, yep. If you don't know the story, you know for people who don't know the story, came to North Dakota State as a. 200 and excuse me 200 and what was he 260 maybe less than that 240 pounds high end and he bulked up to three over 300 pounds and he moved but he moves he still moves the same way as he did when he came into north dakota state see i think that's really important for people to understand it is he went from 245 let's say to 300 
which you're talking about 55 pound weight gain, but he didn't eat it on. I mean, he, he grew now some of that's natural growth for a guy from between 18 and 22, but he, he paid the price in the weight room, which tells you about how committed he is and how dedicated he is. And some of those other things. So, you know, that's, those are the non-measurables that, that guys who do what we do have to look at. Yeah, this is the thing. And I think it just speaks to when you watch his tape, that is everything you just, you just said, like, this is a kid who wants to play football. He wants to do what it takes to play football. And he does not care who's in his way as he does it. Uh, like I said, I don't think there's a better run blocker in the class. Now, there is some there is some hold-ups or hang-ups, should I say, to, to his evaluation as, a, as an NFL prospect in terms of pass protection. And he's a lot of development needed as a pass protector. Obviously, he's come from the FCS, you know, North Dakota State are a powerhouse of the FCS, um, not consistently playing top line opposition. Your counter to that was he did not look out of place at the senior ball at all as he, he went against one uh, against some of the top defensive prospects in the nation on one-on-ones. So you can kind of counter that, but there still will, as it always is with, with the prospects that come out of the FCS level, there is always that, well, how can they, how will they compare when they go up against the best of the best because he's not a great pass protector because he's got shorter arms and probably because he's a bad, bad man. He is prone to getting penalties. He does get penalized quite a lot, kind of like a bear hugging to him, um, which again, that is something yardage is money in the NFL. And if you're giving away 10, 15 yards um, unnecessarily with a penalty, that's, you know, that's going to cost, that's, that's cost, you know, not just offensive linemen their jobs. That's cost players wherever on the field. That costs jobs. It costs games. So it is a part of the evaluation process. But I think if you're a team who wants to run the ball, you you can't do much better than taking Cody March out of North Dakota State this April. I I think um, you know you hit on something that's really important. And um, you know you you take penalties in the league, right? you're going to get coaches fired and you're going to get fired. And we've seen it happen in the league, you know, um, you know, so I think that's really, really important. You know, and then you, you look at a guy like Paris Johnson, for example, his whole career, he's had five penalties his entire career. Right. And that's something again, that the average fan doesn't realize that, you know, when they start doing work on these kids, they're going to go into all of those kinds of issues and they're going to find out well is it because he's technically lazy is he too aggressive does he you know yada yada you're going to find out what that problem is and because you got to if it's something you can't fix or something he's not willing to work on to fix then he's going to be a liability i think i think uh you know that fcs thing that fcs bias you know the thing that you know that the kid can't play because he did have played against good players I, I agree with you. I think he put a lot of that to bed in the postseason, right? Now, the other stuff, he can't make his arms longer. He can't do, you know, and, and there are going to be teams that will, you know, I'm, you know, I, I keep I keep going back to the, like, Kelvin Beecham just signed another contract. There's 13 years in the league, right? He just signed another contract in Arizona. And when I was the pro liaison at SMU, the pro guys would come in and they said, what do you think? I said, well, you know, he's six. He's really not 
six four, he's six three, and you know, you know, he's really high waisted, and he does have long arms, but he's not. I, I said, I think he's a center, right? And here is the kids played thirteen years as a tackle in the <laughs> National Football League and at a, at a high level, and so you know, so sometimes players can play through all that, but both. The thing that you hit on with, with Mox that I really think is important is more and more and more you're hearing coaches say this, bring me guys who love football. Bring me, not, not guys who love being football players, but guys who love football. And there's a difference between those two things, especially when you put money in their pocket, Right. So the guys that love what being a NFL player gives you or brings you more than they love playing the game, that can be a problem in, as you go forward. Now, I want to ask you about this, right? And we're going to, this is the last thing we're going to, you know, obviously we kept you a long time and I appreciate it. Um, I had Mouse in a group of guys, I just call them the bunch, right? <laughs> Matthew Bergeron from Syracuse, you know, uh, Jalen Duncan from Maryland um, and the kid that I thought blew the combine away. Everybody, you know, everybody has their own thing, but somebody's going to, somebody's going to draft Blake Freeland from BYU because he was out vertical jumping some wide receivers. Right. And, you know, there's, again, that they're going to say, well, he's as an independent, you know, he wasn't, you know, they don't, he didn't get the accolades that he should have gotten. Is he tough enough? Da, 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 da. But, you know, you're a six, eight athlete that can do the things he can do. Somebody's going to say, I'm going to coach him and get him better. And because he can, he can perform. He's an athlete now. Yeah, I am. I have great. I have Blake Freeling. Uh, so I've been writing mock drafts since last May. Um, I'll be glad when I've stopped writing them, to be honest. The um, buyer Blake Freeland as a potential first round selection back in I think it was about September time because of everything that you've just said. The the kid is a he's an athletic freak. He's looks like an NFL tackle. He's got the size, the length, his he's physical. He wants to hurt a man. You watch him play football. He's very physical. He's very violent. He's got some coaching development needs as as a as an NFL player in terms of consistency with his hands and his footwork, but they're coachable points. You know, I think we've, we've probably mentioned this multiple times this year and last, when you look at what a player doesn't do or can't do right now, is it that they can't do it or is it because they've not been coached to do it? Are they coachable points? I think everything that you would pull up against Blake Freeland pretty much is a coachable point. And if you're an NFL team, you've, confident in your offensive line coach's ability, why not take Blake Freeland and see what he could do? I, I wonder with Blake Freeland whether there's some, from an, from an analyst perspective and a media analyst perspective, and I don't mean that this is the opinion throughout the NFL, I, I wonder if you look at what um, your man, uh, Christensen, who came out of BYU a couple of years ago and, and hasn't really been able to get to that level for the Miami Dolphins, um, when he was when he was selected there, do people kind of look at that and go, "Well, is this just is Blake Freeland another uh, example of that at BYU?" And 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 that's probably not a conversation that's happening in 
you know, NFL front officers, but I think from a, a media perspective, in terms of this kid going under the radar nationally, I wonder if there is a little bit of that to it because he's a damn good football player. Well, I, you know, it's interesting. That's a great comment because I think back on, I go all the way back to Mo Iluanibi and Neil Fort and, you know, that that's now you're back in the shoots. I think even in the 80s at BYU and those were guys that were I think Allen Trophy winners, even, you know, these were all Americans at, at BYU. And BYU at that time was winning the national championship and da 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 da. Never could translate it into the National Football League, right? Both Neil and Mo ended up after washing out of the NFL coming to this, the Canadian game. And because it's a little different game, defensive linemen had to line up a yard off the ball. It gave them a little bit of a chance and they were both good good cfl players i think there might be some bias that way i think it's interesting you compare what was his vertical do you remember what his vertical was because i know it was outrageous at the combine um i can't remember off the top of my head um do some do some jabber and i'll find it for you because you, you talk about explosive indicators you know indicators of explosiveness I think that's the number one, that and the long jump, the vertical jump and the long jump are the two combined indicators of explosiveness. And he was great in both of those. But then you go back and, and you re, re, you think about this kid and you research him. Here's a kid that's through the shot well over 60 feet. Now that's elite at six, eight. That's the ability to uncoil that huge frame and you know snap the the snap that it takes to throw the shot is you know that indicates to me this is a guy that you know you got to you got to take a hard look at here's another one i'll throw another one let's be let's be uh <laughs> conspiracy theorists in the draft <laughs> at number 31 where this kid will be available unless i'm shocked there is a team that needs an offensive tackle the head coach of that team was an offensive lineman himself at BYU, the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> I'd love it. They, they, you know, they've had big offensive tackles that the Kansas City Chiefs in recent years as well. You look at Lucas Niang when he came out of TCU; he was a big, big kid. Um, thirty-seven inch, the ten foot broad for Blake Freeland in the NFL Combine, which, like you said, is incredible especially the 10 the 10 broad for me i think is, is yeah i mean else. like that you, when you're talking about wide receivers you want them over 10 right and this guy hits 10 as an offensive tackle so again i think it's, it's gonna be interesting to play it's watch this play out fascinating fascinating stuff ollie as always you knock it out of the park um and and again we're back next week and we will be going inside inside where it gets nasty where it gets dirty where are the where the real stuff happens for the centers and the guards there's some uh there's some nasty boys on the inside in this class i'm looking forward to it all right man we'll see you next week thanks again for for watching the show uh hit us with your questions as we get closer to the draft and it's about that time where we're going to start stacking this board and thinking about our mock draft and then there is a rumor, and I can I cannot confirm it at this time. However, there is a rumor that the People's Draft will be back again for its third year at the Jeff Reinbold Show. Aloha. <laughs>